0: Welcome everyone! Today's episode is the second half of a conversation we started last week about language and communication. If a pastor is going to be a good soldier, he has to understand words. They're central to his calling. So I was thinking about this topic a few weeks ago, and I came across a book titled Nonviolent Communication, and I found the following quote on the back of the book. Quote, Nonviolent communication shows us a way of being very honest, without any criticism, insults, or put-downs, And without any intellectual diagnosis implying wrongness. We used that quote to start the conversation last week, but we make reference to it at times in this half of the conversation, so keep it in mind as you listen. Again, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Lucas Weeks, and the conversation today is with Max Carell and Tim Bailey. This is the Out of Our Minds podcast.
1: That gets back to the last session we had where we were talking about the fact, don't ever believe these people when they tell you that they're not engaging in conflict. Mm. Again, this man saying that you must not make judgments, you must not declare something is wrong. He is declaring that it is wrong to declare that it is wrong. Yeah, They yep, always yep. commit the very sin that they're trying to condemn. And the only people left in God's green earth today that still believe in wrong coming from the character of God are Christians. Mm-hmm. And so the liberals declare that you're wrong if you do not observe their morality, they're which is petty. a... Well, it's not just petty, it's wicked. Mm -hmm. Their morality has removed sodomy from the closet and has now put Christians in it as haters Mm -hmm. if we call people to flee from Sodom and Gomorrah. right? Okay, you always have to be very aware of the fact that you cannot trust worldlings. Mm -hmm. They're always lying about what they're doing, what their goals are, and where they're headed. Okay, so...
0: That is a good segue to the th- something else I wanted to talk about next, and that is judging motives. You just did a lot of judging right there. Mm-hmm. You judged motives, and I just want to bring it out in the open. If you're feeling uncomfortable with what Tim was saying just now, it's because we have, evangelicals in particular, have swallowed the belief that it is wrong, it is never appropriate to judge someone else's motives. And more than that, we assume that everyone's motives are pure as the wind-driven snow. So evangelicals say that we should never judge anybody and that we must assume that everyone else's motives are pure. And so why did you do that, Tim? Why did you just judge people's motives?
2: What gives you the right to do that?
1: Max, take off. I was
2: thinking about the present distress of our lives in COVID. Okay. And I was thinking about every... Facebook accusation mm. that exists surrounding COVID. Yeah. Every three
0: seconds there's and another are any, one. of them. Are
2: any of them suggesting bad motives?
0: <laughs> oh, let me think. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just hilarious because we're inconsistent about where it's okay yeah. and not okay to judge motives. Right. We, we're free to judge motives in political places all the time, either from the left or from the right. We're absolutely free to judge motives all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking as you bring up the question whether or not the uh the uh unspoken violation of ad hominem has more to do with personal motives in individuals than it does to
0: the unspoken violation of ad hominem. What do you mean by that? Yeah,
2: well you said it's it's wrong to judge motives. Okay. Right. And so we're 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 gonna make an argument. If we make an argument about the the uh, 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 CDC
0: yeah will yeah.
2: judge their motives and nobody cares
0: right everyone and
2: so it's a big group it's a big bunch we can make we can judge motives about groups of people but when it comes down as things get narrower and narrower and we're actually looking and we're dealing with individuals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and judging in in cases of individuals or smaller sets of individuals where people are actually going to feel personally that you are accusing them of wrong
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: or you're accusing, well, that's it. You're just of accusing lying. them of lying of whatever it's mm-hmm. whatever they did is wrong. They're lying. And that's the chief one. Don't you think it's not usually the, yeah,
1: this is in my brain because I went and engaged in a debate with Jill and Stuart Briscoe. I intentionally put Jill's name first. My father, when my mother got <laughs> speaking engagements when I was in high school, my dad would look and up to heaven and lift up his hands and say, oh, Lord, save me from being Joe B- Briscoll's husband. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and That's everybody funny. in the family would just laugh and laugh, you know, because... So we were at this debate in chapel service at Moody Bible Institute. And uh, afterwards, there was a little forum of invited uh, faculty members and students. And then uh, me and my compatriot in crime representing the biblical position on sexuality and Joel and Stewart representing the rebellious position, the yeah. unbiblical. In the middle of that, St- St- Stuart Briscoe and all his uh, British his suavity... With his accent, his banker's demeanor, yeah. he says, well, I, I'm a complementarian. All of us here are complementarians. Now, this is after this man had, in front of the entire student body and his wife, promoted women exercising authority over men in the church. It was about the church, you know. And then he's sitting there in this smaller luncheon and saying, well, I'm a complementarian. And I turned to my right. It was. I think, one person away from me. And I said, Stuart, you're not a complementarian. Now, anybody listening knows that I have a somewhat ambivalent relationship with complementarians. But nevertheless, at that time, I was representing complementarianism at Moody. And I said, Stuart, you're not a complementarian. Well, yes, I am. Or I can't do a British act. And and I said, no, you're not. I said, you're a feminist. Mm. I said, what you believe in is women exercising authority over men that's what you live for as a matter of fact Stuart, you go all over the world spreading your gospel of feminism Mm. well when i said that the place exploded and there was an african american pastor sitting about 10 feet from me who just jumped in my face and said how dare you you know you don't accuse a man of lying. Yeah. And then afterwards, my compatriot, fellow complimentarian, was a woman, a pastor's wife of a dear couple that we love. And a number of times since then, she has said to me, in, in a very disappointed way, Tim, that that just was beyond the pale. That just was, you shouldn't, you should not. Mm. And I'm just thinking, yeah, that's right. That's the church today. Yeah. What really matters is etiquette. It's rhetorical etiquette. What matters not is truth. And so it's gauche. It's impolite. It 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 is You didn't you didn't follow Matthew Matthew eighteen in the right <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I should have taken him out <laughs> to the men's room and yeah. said, Stuart, do I, do I understand you correctly? And well, I want to confront you here to give you a chance to go back out there and say you were wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, communication is not just about the words that are coming out of someone's mouth. And why do we, why have we sucked in the lie that that's all we're allowed to deal with? I mean, it's so obvious. If you've spent three seconds thinking about it, I mean, if you have thought about a confidence man, you know, what is a confidence man? What what is a con artist? His whole shtick is to say, "Look at the birdie" while I do the this other thing. And so somehow we have gotten to the place where we're not allowed. Actually, it makes me think that an evangelical is just a perfect ripe sitting duck for a con man because he, he'll he just, yep, 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 everything's, yep. Not just that, but an
1: evangelical <laughs> thinks he's reached a special state of holiness that's when right. he is fooled because that's doesn't right. love always expect the best? <laughs> that's right, that's right. No, I'm really serious about that. And, we and- We believe that to be credulous, yeah, is a is a is true. a spiritual gift,
2: <laughs> yeah. But I almost think it's worse than that because I think as evangelicals, it makes you wonder the groups of people years ago during the early days of the Christian Science, all of those kinds of things, where they really didn't believe that men were inherently evil. Okay, it makes you wonder if. If they're not superior in their thinking about how bad we are, they actually were, if they're not superior to today's present day evangelical, in that we have so far left in so far uh, gone astray in our understanding of who we are, and the and the depth and nature of our depravity and our sin, mm-hmm. we've gone so far off that it's more than just us assuming good motives of people and And being schnookered by them, but it's actually that we really believe people are basically good mm. i remember I remember uh, talking to a Mormon man who was really big in the Mormon church in this area, and this was years ago, and he had had something happen where some neighbors of his had uh, i think treated him abysmally they had they had gone out of their way to make uh, to make him miserable about a positioning of his garage on the property line or in proximity to a property line to the point that even though he was willing to do all kinds of things to remedy the situation, they wouldn't allow it. Mm, And that's because they were just being nasty. And I was talking to him about it and he looked at me and he said, he said, you know, uh, Max, he said, uh, I just, I've always thought people were basically good. Now this was a, a real dyed in the wool, undergarments, Mormon. Yeah. Okay. Right. He was have (laughs) to mention that. (laughs) He was a real Mormon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I looked at him and I said, you know, that's the basic difference between the belief of Christians and Mormons is that at the bottom of it all,
0: we're not good. So an evangelical, theoretically, one of the essential elements of an evangelical is somebody who believes in the new birth. Right. This, the necessity. The necessity of, it. of the new birth. And, and, and yet. Even
2: the fight of sin mm-hmm. that persists until death.
0: And yet, what would be common among evangelical churches in this country at this point is we just totally
1: deny the need for a new birth. We just, we're, we're basically pretty good. Yeah, pretty the good. new birth has become an, simply an improvement in making better choices, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is. We're right
2: back to this book. Right. Right back to all of these uh, uh, religious organizations that grew out of it, Transcendental. The whole thing that grew out of it was all just this, uh, let's let's improve ourselves. What are our methods of improvement? What are our methods of bettering ourselves? Okay,
1: so I think it would be helpful for the people listening to know that right before we come and record, we sit for several hours together as pastors. Uh, How many of us? Six? Uh, One, two,
0: three, four, five, six, seven. Seven.
1: And we talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And um, today, um, we were talking about similar things because what we're talking about is the importance of argument. And reading, Mm -hmm. and after several hours of talking about what it is that we need to wean our sheep, our flock, and the lambs Mm -hmm. from social media and the lies of liberalism, of the media, of everything, Mm -hmm. we came down to the fact, and, and Max, you're the one that said it, say what you said in there about sin. Tim was talking about scholastics and we were talking about the
2: work of scholastics and, and how that was such a popular thing in the church today. Among a certain small yeah, group yeah, of Yeah. And I was thinking Smarty that,
1: Pants reform men.
2: I was thinking that the reality is that that, that gives us the liberty not to deal with The issue of sin, because we're not really dealing with the issue of the emotions or the issue of the will, feeling and understanding ourselves. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is comprehend some system. And comprehend that system and be able to communicate that system better than anybody else can comprehend it and communicate it and know all of the authors connected to it better than anybody else and quote all of their works better than anybody else and not really join into it to where we actually, when we're reading some great work, you know, I said in the meeting, my wife had just listened to Anna Karenina, right? Mm -hmm. And she was telling me about it and she was saying, He really gets at the reality of myself and my own struggles. What what you said was that
1: listening to it caused Annie to grow in her understanding of her own sin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I want to say this, and I'm going to say it over and over and over again. It's in everything I write. It is imperative that we teach the fall and original sin and depravity Mm -hmm. to our children to our flock, and that is the center of evangelism. No one is gonna flee to Christ until they have Christian's experience of discovering their burden, Mm -hmm. no one. That's right. And so I grew up in a home where my father had many occasions to say to me and the others in the home, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mm Mm-hmm. That truth is what is missing from the reform world, Mm. from evangelicalism. Nothing is you. You are the man. Mm. Your heart is desperately wicked. Mm. Who can know it? Mm. Your heart is deceitful. Growing up in a home where a father believed in the authority of the word of God and that it diagnosed us properly. We knew that my father wanted us to grow in our admission that we were so deceitful in our hearts that we could not know them. Mm-hmm and therefore needed to be born again, needed the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Mm-hmm.
2: What's the verse in Romans that, I don't know if it's the same one for you, but the verse in Romans that comes at me again and again as just the, the whole flip, the whole pivot, wretched man, Oh, wretched, wretched man that, man I, man am that I am, who will, will rescue me from yep. the body of this death? Mm-hmm. And how in the world do we just assume Everybody knows that they're wretched and yeah, that they need no, to be rescued no. from the body of this death. You,
0: that was a man whose whole life had been
1: steeped in the law of God. Absolutely. Every waking moment. And who loved the sheep, mm-hmm. who loved the sheep so much that he never stopped working to save them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to save the ones who had believed and been born again and baptized, to save the ones who had not believed. He, he says, you know, I'd, I'd do anything. I'd, I'd be damned if I could save my fellow mm-hmm. countrymen, the mm-hmm. Jews. And so when we submit to all the artificial dissembling, so, yeah. destructive rules of discourse today as shepherds of God's sheep, and one of them is this ad hominem thing. Right. Not a okay. Judgments. What we're doing is agreeing that we care more to be civilized, to be perceived to be civilized, polite. to be on the reservation. Yep. Yep. Reasonable. At the expense
2: of the souls of everyone. We and know. we show we don't
0: love, we don't any. love anybody of God's no. sheep. Mm-hmm. And and think again, it's very important for people to understand that it's always presented as reasonable, kind, polite. That the people who are promoting what this guy, for instance, the quote that I read earlier, is promoting, they're they're taking the moral high ground. That's what they assume they're doing. They're taking the they are being the nonviolent, but the pressure to be like that to conform is.
1: Intense. It is not. Be very clear when act. a man today says that he's in favor of nonviolent discourse, which does not make judgments, that the particular act that he does not want us to judge is the act that was in the closet until a few years ago. And mm-hmm. it's an act of unbelievable depravity. It's an act that God calls an abomination. It's an act that in itself physically is filthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, think about that. This is the man that says we must not be violent and must not make judgments, Mm -hmm. okay? And the same men will also say we must not commit ad hominem fallacies in our arguments. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget preaching through Galatians. And at one point as I went through Galatians realizing that the apostle Paul was intense in making ad hominem arguments, like where he says in Galatians 4, 17, they, referring to the Judaizers, they eagerly seek you. Mm-hmm. They want you, mm-hmm. but not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, he's making unbelievably audacious so, comments about the motivation. That's of right. his opponents in a theological argument, and can't you just imagine how we would censor him today for mm-hmm. thinking, for separating the argument from the person? You yep. know. Yeah. So, so
0: we live or in for a, not separating. The not argument from the person. So, so we live in a time where there's just this cloying, intense pressure to get along, to be reasonable, to be non-dogmatic, and so forth, to not judge people's motives that's the problem. That's the world that we live in. And so now I want to take the conversation to, okay, what is a man supposed to do in this world? And to get us kicked off for that, I'd like to read from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, beginning with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing Raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, he's talking here about destruction, he's talking about battle. And so, we have to be as, as particularly as pastors, but I think Christians just have to have themselves steeled by these words that God has spoken. God has spoken, and so if you're going to speak in the way that scripture speaks is you have to forget about yourself. I think that's the first thing you have to, you have to realize, and this is very hard to do in our cloying age when it is all, it's all personal. All communication is personal. We have to communicate what God has spoken. We have to communicate truth
2: without it being about us. We have to know it. Okay. We have to know what God has said in order for us to take thoughts captive in order for us to identify that what you read earlier mm-hmm. has set itself up against the knowledge of god okay okay yep. Yep. we have to know the knowledge of god okay we have to know what god has been pleased to reveal to us for our own sakes for our own transformation for our our own power to deal with these things, we actually have to know. Tim's uh, mentions he's mentioned this so many times, and it's always an encouragement. And I want to go run home and and grab my grandkids and says and say, "Your hearts are deceitful above all." Else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, can know it with that truth from God Himself. Tim has through his life continued to remember. Mm-hmm. I have a deceitful heart. Mm-hmm. I have a deceitful heart. Mm-hmm. Not only do I have a deceitful heart but everyone. It's likely that you do too. It's likely <laughs> that you have a deceitful I'm pretty sure heart. you do and too. And as he's processed through those years and years and years, it's, it has guided him and it has made his, his thoughts have been subject to it, mm-hmm. to God's truth. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore he recognizes when someone presents something contrary to that truth. Mm. And he says, oh, they're setting themselves up against god Mm -hmm. and then off he can go but i think you know you were saying first things to know and i think one thing is our children and we ourselves have to know god's word we Mm -hmm. have to read god's word we have to find specifically i think it's appropriate that tim's dad kept saying that over and over again because he wanted that particular one and probably several others to be just uh branded into tim's brain so that he wouldn't forget mm-hmm. don't forget tim
1: mm-hmm.
2: although he probably didn't preface it every time he said it probably didn't say don't, don't forget. forget tim oh no no
1: no, no. He, just, are you kidding? Kidding? he just said tim. are you kidding no he didn't even say tim he would just say out of nowhere as his comment this literally listening. literally he would just say the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. He hmm. just made the comment. And it was so helpful. I, I'm related to a bunch of Wheaton evangelicals and we're all getting old now. Some of us are gonna die and all of us have sinned in our lives. And it is true that often I find myself wishing that they had the same knowledge of their sinfulness that their father and mother had. Hmm. But it seems as if sin has become the one thing that must not be mentioned, Mm. the great unmentionable. And so in our family gatherings, there are public morality things. You know, you can talk about whether or not you eat meat, whether or not you use masks, whether or not you've been vaccinated. You know, you can... Take your eye off the ball and engage in the public mania for digitation. <laughs> you know, where we, we all agree now to process eternity and the present through COVID. You no, know, everybody no. can have an opinion and the people that have an opinion for mass hate the people that have an opinion against and the people that have opinions against mass hate the people that have. And and that's safe because that's, you know, that's what really matters. But here comes the Christian, and he says, whoopee, we're all (laughs) going to (laughs) die. What about Bob? Hey, Bob. At that point, what you have, either repentance before a holy God and salvation, you know, and heaven, or you have nonviolent discourse, nonjudgmentalism, public vows, taken it every cash register to use paper instead of plastic. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. What we've said many times before, judgments never go away;
2: they just get shifted. We're all related to Wheaton evangelicals. Mm. I mean, that's that's the reality, specifically in this room. But then, all across this nation, believers who would ever listen to this podcast would say to you, "Yep, I'm related to Wheaton evangelicals." Yeah even if they didn't go to Wheaton, they're Wheaton-esque. Right, right. And so that reality just attends them. I, you were talking about, about having uh, real things said. I remember driving my mother home one time, she had visited with us and I was driving her home, and it was maybe a five hour trip. And I, it just stands out in my mind, I just thought, here I have my mother captive in the car, this never happens, she's with me in the car. We both profess faith in Christ. I don't want to talk about the grandchildren. I don't want to talk about the nieces and nephews. I don't want to talk about the brothers and sisters. I don't know. I don't want to talk about the variable weight of anybody at any given time in their diet. I just like to talk about something real. So I said to my mother, "I said, this is a sin that I have, (laughs) that I have struggled with." And I talked to her about that sin. Mm -hmm. And it's the only time I have memory, I have a lot of good memories of my mother in faith, but it's the only memory that I have of my mother where she stopped and she said, well, this is a sin that I have. Hmm. And it was just the most precious moment uh, together with her Mm -hmm. That's, that's just stuck in my mind. Because what we neither of us were saying, I feel hopeless about it. Mm. Both of us were saying, I feel hopeless about it. <laughs> you know, we were saying uh, uh, before God. It was no, it was a yeah, confession of faith. It was, it was, it was. I'm, I feel like I, you know, what I mean by we. We weren't saying we feel hopeless, and we were saying we were saying. Who will rescue me from the body of this death? That's what we were saying. And I'm dying here. And and (laughs) I shared that with her, and she shared that with me, and that was life. And you think about the reality of how we live as, and I'm making the quote marks in the air here in the studio, Christians today, and how often we ever have a conversation where we are we have the wonderful privilege together of of looking at at the at the corruption of one another's hearts honestly as we can with our corrupt hearts before one another and then together looking to God in Christ and saying thanks be to God
1: can i say something to homeschooling parents and classical educators and people concerned about their children I see so often parents trying to protect their children from knowledge, self-knowledge and mm-hmm. from their own sin. Mm-hmm. And that's the worst thing you can possibly do. Yeah. It is not mean or unloving to open your son's up your son's eyes up to his manipulation when he comes to you and says to you, you know, I think mommy would really like to go out for ice cream. <laughs> You know, it's actually good. You can still go out to ice cream. You can still take a suggestion, but ask him whether what he's really concerned about is his mother. Mm. And I know that mothers listening to this, a lot of them would say, well, why do you have to do that? Why do you have to ruin everything by bringing God into it? But they wouldn't say it like (laughs) that. What they would say is, you're such a killjoy. Do you have to see the worst in everybody? Mm -hmm. And you know, If I'm going to fight for my soul and the souls of my loved ones and the souls of the people in our church, yes, I do have to see the evil. Not only that, but I have to preach to it. I have to name it. And I have to love the sinner. And if I don't see the evil, I'm not loving the sinner. Mm-hmm. And I probably don't see the evil because I'm not loving myself because I refuse to see the evil in myself. I had somebody say to me in the doorway of the church, I was standing in a family group and I had noticed that a husband and wife were there and the mother of one of them was there. And the mother referred to the husband's wife's house as the wife's house. Without the husband's name. And I didn't do it right away, but a little bit later I said, you know, do, do you notice that you refer to your daughter's house as your daughter's house? And you don't mention your son. And then a few minutes later, she looked at me and she said in front of her son and, son-in-law and son and daughter, she said, you know, you seem to have this really extraordinary ability to know what people are thinking and, and to understand people. And she wasn't at all offended by what I had said. You know, she took it in stride well. It was, it was admirable.
0: Hmm.
1: And I looked at her and I said, well, yeah, I am a real sinner. Mm-hmm. And she understood what I was saying, which is, oh, man, I see this stuff so much worse in myself. I am so sensitive to my use of pronouns and to who I privilege and to why I privilege them. And it's just so, so weary to live in this life. As the Apostle Paul says, who will rescue me from this body of death? And so you want your children to put their hands over their ears, like Christian, and to flee to Jesus, crying, screaming, life, mm-hmm. life, eternal life. Mm-hmm. And if you give them a good education and train them to make good choices and have them in ballet or soccer and send them to a good college and they get good SAT scores and then they pass the ball, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Ba-ba, 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 and your children have never learned that they have a burden on their back, that they must flee to yonder wicked gate to get rid of, that they have to flee to Christ. You have destroyed your child. Mm. And that's what most Christian parents are committed to doing. They are committed to hiding the fall and original sin from their
0: children. It's amazing because I just pulled up Psalm 51. It says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So, there's the fall. But then, hold on. Behold, you desire truth in In the the innermost being, Mm -hmm. and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on. Purify me with hyssop, and Mm -hmm. I shall be clean. Wash Wash me, me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I mean... It's amazing, but that's like, that's everything we're talking about right there. There has to be truth in the innermost part mm-hmm. for us to know wisdom. And what is wisdom? This is, we were talking about this earlier. John Calvin says wisdom consists of two things knowing who we are and knowing who God is. This is the point of all education, has to be. That's how he begins his institutes. So. That's right. It's, and, and,
1: and mothers, if you're educating your children, in our pastors' meeting earlier, we discussed the issue of books and movies and poetry and you know all literature, all the arts yeah. literature. Yeah. And the one thing you must not do is give your children a diet that is milk toast. Mm-hmm. That's
0: exactly right, and it's it's exactly why we cannot allow there to be the milk toast discussion conversation
1: yeah sally lloyd jones and her books her bible story books it's it's like it flattens all scripture mm. truth to just the goodies <laughs> and and it's awful I would much rather you have your children read Flannery O'Connor for family devotion, Or or like actually read Second Samuel. Yeah, read Second Samuel. I'm I'm reading that
0: now with my kids. I'm like, whoa! Well,
2: I I have a favorite thing that I do because in our small group, we lead the children in singing children's songs. You know, the basic children's songs (laughs) like uh, Zacchaeus and Only a Boy Named David. Well, we get to the Only a Boy Named David, and I've modified it for the boys. And so <laughs> you know that we all do the motions except I don't do the giant comes tumbling down because it's too hard on my body but, <laughs> but the little boys all all come down so we say and the giant comes tumbling down and they all crash on the floor and then I say and now they all sing with me and he cut off his head <laughs> 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 can we leave that in there Lucas <laughs> I don't know <laughs>
1: I'll never forget my dad writing in his column Out of My Minds in Eternity one time, he was talking about the obscenity of adultery and divorce in the church Mm. and how filthy it is Mm -hmm. and how corrupting it is Mm -hmm. and how evil it is. And he said, but we don't have any place for talking about sin anymore. Mm. And we can't allow anything to be denounced and we can't have anybody rebuking him. He said, we are willing to talk about adultery and to view it and to and, and to engage in these behaviors. But if I were to write the word shit in this column <laughs> He said, you can be sure that the editor will pull it for his evangelical (laughs) audience. And then he had in parentheses, and if there is a word missing from the previous sentence, I have made my point. And sure enough, there was a word missing from
2: the previous sentence, you
1: know. (laughs) And it's like, can we have faith for sin? Yeah. The tenderest moment you had with your mother at the end of her life was when the both of you had faith faith to share with each other your sins. Mm. I wonder if,
2: if it went over some mom's heads or not over their heads, but maybe over their hearts, the little illustration you gave about the boy coming and saying... Do you th-
1: wouldn't it be nice <laughs> that's for mommy, one of my grandsons? Wouldn't it that's be actually nice Daniel for <laughs> mommy to
2: have some ice cream tonight? Yeah, yeah. And why I, think, so mommy like I think mommy would like to have ice cream. I think mommy would like to have ice cream tonight. And so so let's let's play uh what happens in twenty years and say if an if that goes on unchecked regularly, what does that young man become?
1: Who does he turn into? Bill Clinton. Yes. It's who Joe just... Sobern described as a man who was raised by a single mother who never told him that because he said something did not actually make it true.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so what? You you want to love your son? You want
2: to love your daughter? You need to introduce them to their heart. Wow. Well, and I'm... children, you which means you have to be thinking about what they're doing. You want to talk about judging motives? Hmm. You you think about when a child comes to you and says, "I love you, Mommy." Yeah. And you wonder what's happened very recently in the past <laughs> yeah. or you wonder what's happened very or it's what what's about to happen or what they're about to propose to you mm-hmm. and you realize what's going on in that child's heart and that well, they know
0: what they're doing. And of course there's no way to do that without regularly doing that to yourself. True. It's just true enough what you got to do. And uh, you can you can overdo
1: that, mm. well, okay, let's yeah. let's
0: talk about that for a second because i I, I do want to hit some of the criticism here. I mean, sure, do we really want to go back to the way that Luther talked about his opponents? Luther Calvin even is criticized there these are these are men who are giants in the faith, right? Central to the Reformation in Europe. But when they talk about their opponents in in books that could be, I suppose, considered academic debates, they refer to their opponents as dogs and, and are insulting.
1: Is, Calvin, just as much as Luther. Okay, okay. And Knox put <laughs> both of them to shame. <laughs> so, you don't want to go back to those days because we live in a kinder, gentler time. Why? Well,
0: ugh, I mean, you, you say we live in a kinder, gentler time, and of course... I'm listening to the Gulag Archipelago right now. I'm thinking, okay, and not to mention abortion in this country. It's like, but it's interesting that all of, both of those examples are exactly what C.S. Lewis talked about when he said that millions of people, what's that quote? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, It's all, all of those decisions happen by men who are, who speak in soft voices and are in carpeted rooms So this I found the quote from Lewis. Uh, He says, quote, The greatest evil is not now done in those sordid dens of crime that Dickens loved to paint. It is not done even in concentration camps and labor camps. In those, we see its final result. But it is conceived and ordered, moved, seconded, carried, and minuted, in clean, carpeted, warmed, and well-lighted offices, by quiet men with white collars and cut fingernails and smooth-shaven cheeks, Who do not need to raise their voices. In other words, the men who are committed to being nonviolent in their speaking are precisely the ones who will send a million people to the to the gulags.
1: Because they're so convinced. I mean, I just have been I'm two two thirds of the way through Cotkin's new bio of Stalin, three Hmm. volume. And it's so clear that Stalin And the same thing is true of Mao. I just read a biography of Mao. Both of them believe that the justice of the cause not only justified, but required the killing, the slaughter of 50, 100 million. Mm -hmm. That if you're really going to take the side of the proletariat, it requires that you break eggs Mm -hmm. because the omelet is worth it. And so, I mean, liberals are so convinced of the justice of their cause. You think of uh, Bernard Nathanson saying, we knew that 10,000 people a year didn't die from illegal abortions, but the justice of our cause caused us to lie. And so, Mm -hmm. whatever you think about our evolution and progress beyond the hurly-burly of the Reformation rhetoric, Mm -hmm. whatever you think it's produced— and justifies it today. Mm-hmm. It has not produced less bloodshed, less death. No, it has not. less sickness. And so what on earth do we think we're doing judging Luther and Calvin? Okay. Luther and so or Calvin you, or Jesus or Paul? Yeah, and that's the other Do not throw
2: thing. what is holy to Yeah, uh, yeah, the dogs. dogs. Yeah. Or throw your pearls before swine. Beware of the Dogs,
1: mm-hmm. the circumcision, right? They should cut it all off. And it's like. And what is it? <laughs> <laughs> In Galatians, you know, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, what we do is we make Galatians into a book of doctrine and we eviscerate it of its pastoral instruction mm. and rhetoric. We 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 just take the truths out and leave behind the words. Everything about the book we leave behind except just the milquetoast truth. Okay. I still want to go back and say something again to mothers. Okay. One of the problems we have in our writing and podcasting and books is that people read them, listen to them, and they think, well, these men are not affectionate. These men are hard taskmasters. mm these men are precisely what the Apostle Paul says when he commands fathers not to exasperate their children. Mm. And I want to explain that we are extremely tender and loving, mm. extremely tender and loving. We do not point out sin and manipulation to our grandchildren or children because we're engaged in a macho contest with them to see who's the baddest ass. Mm. We don't yes. do that. All right. We do it because we know that that child carries in his heart a knowledge of his own manipulation. And that it's such a relief to him to have a grandfather or father or mother who will say, Son, I know about your manipulation and mm-hmm. it's wrong. And that too, Christ died for that. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is just talk about Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. And by the way, don't think about your sins. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm not going to help you think about your sins. And by the way, most of the sins were well-intentioned. And by the way, those sins are your father's fault, you know? (laughs) And it's Uh like, oh, my God goodness for heaven's sakes can we allow our children and women to regain moral agency in our culture Mm. is everybody a victim except the man that points out that everybody's pathetic in their victimhood (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so mothers listen we love our children our wives our grandchildren and if you saw us with them you would see unbelievable tenderness Mm. unbelievable tenderness yeah we don't want your husband or you to be a battle axe. We mm-hmm. don't want that. What we're saying is your children won't really know you love them mm-hmm. until you open up the depravity of their heart to them and tell them that Jesus died for that sin. Mm-hmm. That's where you love them.
0: hmm and of yep. course, that's it's not just your children,
1: it's your neighbors. Absolutely, it's your and it's your flock as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you're going to be a good soldier, uh, you have to be willing to engage in that. It's And it is a conflict, it is a conflict. It's.
1: it's I, I don't like the way you said that, I'm always trying to perfect you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's fine.
1: It's not that you have to. It is ah, your see. greatest privilege, yeah, yeah, because finally there's someone who's free to love mm. and to speak the truth. The truth. Why should yeah. we all celebrate Flannery O'Connor and then go around gagged?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if Flannery O'Connor, a Roman Catholic in the South, could write about the depravity of man in such a glorious way. Can't we preach?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, by God's grace.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: the pressure to conform our words to the pattern of this world is intense and pastors will be hated for telling the truth so if a pastor tells you the truth love him encourage him now before we end i get to remind you about the new geneva academy shepherds conference the conference is on october 6th and 7th at trinity Reformed church in bloomington indiana and there is still time to register it's all about being a good soldier for Jesus Christ, and we all know that is the need of the hour. We need pastors and elders who are committed to being good soldiers. So, if you want to be strengthened for the fight, head on over to newgenevaacademy.com and register now. Now, next week, we are going to begin a conversation about dun, dun, dun COVID. I think it'll be a pretty unique take on the situation, and I'm excited to share the conversation with you. So, be sure to come back next week. Thanks for listening. My name is Lucas Weeks, and our conversation today was with Tim Bailey and Max Carell. We serve as pastors at Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. For more great content, please visit warhornmedia.com. To support this podcast, which you definitely want to do, you can donate at patreon.com slash outofourminds. Bye for now.